0: This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. We're uh, looking at this final series, this final message in this series on Revelation. And what we've been saying about Revelation is, first of all, that it is a product of the latter part of the first century. It's very important to know that. It's very important for us to know that the first recipients, those who received Revelation in these letters of John were Jewish Christians, were were people who had accepted Jesus as the Messiah, and they were going through it. They were going through this time of persecution and suffering under the Roman Empire. Very important for us to understand that. It's also important for us to see that Revelation is not a product of its own images and visions, but Revelation borrows heavily from the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, what we call in Ezekiel and Daniel and certainly from some of the plagues described in Exodus. But there is one symbol that is particularly unique in this apocalyptic book of of Revelation, and that is the Lamb of God. It's also a book that deals with signs and symbols and pictures. Uh, It's very important for us to understand that, you know, we Westerners, those of us who uh, kind of are under the influence of of Greek and Rome and it went all kind of west, we think in terms of logic and words and chronology and sequence. But in the Eastern mind, and and by the East I mean China, I mean Africa, and and certainly the Middle East, and, and certainly the Hebrews, the Jewish people they could communicate much more in terms of pictures and images and symbols. A picture is worth a thousand words. And Jesus was a Jew. (laughs) And Jesus speaks like a Jew. And when you read in the Gospels, Jesus is always using signs and symbols and concrete images. And so Revelation is like that, only even more so. That we're not to figure this out sequentially. We're not here to chronologically identify everything. But we're able to see the primary vision and images that Revelation wants us to get. And so that's what we're going to do today. First, I'm going to read the words of Scripture, excerpts from chapter 21 and 22. And then we're going to look at some images together of the message of Revelation. So beginning with chapter 21, verse 1. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But for the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, the murderers, the fornicators, the sorcerers, the idolaters... And all liars, their place will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then verse 22. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb." The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. People will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood, but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life." Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit in each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him, they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever." So the first image that we, that's so prevalent is the, the celestial city, uh, the new Jerusalem, uh, the new heaven, the new earth that comes down from, from heaven, uh, a city not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And we're told that this city in its imagery is, is a city foursquare. It's interesting that it even tells us how big it is. It's 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long, and 1,500 miles high. So what, what's so important about that? It's interesting that in the time of Revelation when it was, when it was received, the Roman Empire was about 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long. It's like God is saying to his people, ah, this empire, this kingdom that you're a part of now, I've got one that will match it and then some. And in this city, in this golden city, God is going to wipe away all tears. No more sorrow, no more suffering. A death has been put to death. Uh, death and Hades are done away with. And God is going to be in the midst of the people. Now, camera people don't want me to do this, tough. Um, but here, here's the image. Uh, What what we want to get is Revelation is telling us that God is standing in the middle of his people. God is in the middle of things. In in the uh, Jewish tradition, and remember, these are Jewish people who have received the Messiah, Jesus as the Messiah. In their heritage, in the wilderness, when they're journeying to the promised land, leaving Egypt, the 12 tribes of Israel are all around the camp. And the camp is, in the middle of the camp is the tabernacle of God. So uh, all the different clans are around, but God is in the middle. And the cloud and the pillar of fire that symbolizes the presence of God, God's in the middle of his people. And in the new city of Jerusalem, God is in the middle of his people. He's dwelling right in the middle of of all of us you see in the year 70 about 40 years after jesus was crucified and was resurrected the temple of the jews had been destroyed the romans had come and leveled it burned jerusalem and their image of these folks receiving revelation Probably that image was etched in their mind as much as 9 11 of the World Trade Towers falling down are etched in many of ours. They had no more temple, they had no more place to make sacrifice. Their temple was gone. In the new heaven and the new earth, we're told there's no temple. It's as if God is saying, You don't need a temple, I'm the temple. You know, when you build the building, you don't worry about the scaffolding anymore. God's the temple, and God's presence is with us. And by the way, we're all temples right now, aren't we? We're temples of the Holy Spirit. God's presence lives inside of each of us. But in the new heaven, the new earth, in that celestial city, God is gonna be in the middle of his people. So there's no need of light, no sun, no moon, no lamp. Because the Lord God is the light and the Lamb is the light in this wonderful, beautiful place that we can look forward to, that's coming to all those who hold to the precepts of Jesus. Now, we're also told about a second death The second death is a sobering thought. In the image in Revelation, chapter 20, uh, you have the great white throne. Um, Well, let's first look at the tree, Uh, I'm sorry, I skipped something. The tree of life, this is very important. In heaven, there's a river. In Genesis 1 and 2, you have paradise, right? God creates everything good and wonderful at the beginning and we mess up and we blow it. The end of the Bible ends the way it begins, where we're back in the garden. And and just like there's a river in paradise in Eden, there's a river in this beautiful city. And the river flows down from the throne of God. The Holy Spirit is called the river of life. And Jesus calls himself the living water. And along the river of life, there's the trees, the, the tree of life. And there's fruit that bears from those trees. And those who eat of the tree of life live forever. That's our health, that's our strength, that's our vitality, that's that's the goodness, that's the provision. That's the beauty of God. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. That there's 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 a full restoration and healing in all our lives, in all nations and tribes of people throughout the world. Well, who's, who's going to get to go there? Well, in a sense, those who get to go there are those who want to go there. Uh, we're told in, in, in Revelation that there is the great white throne judgment. And this is an eerie scene. Uh, if you think about uh, the final test or the final exam of your life. And in this understanding, there's kind of two books that's going to be opened. And the first book is a record of what we've done in this life. That's enough to scare any of us to a point, I would think. But it's it's kind of like a review of our life and what we've done with our life. And in different times in the Scripture, we, we hear words like, well, well done, good and faithful servant. Or we hear words from Jesus that says, uh, oh, you didn't see me when you were with the poor or the sick or the blind or the lame. And so, uh, if you don't want me now, uh, depart from me. Or, or welcome unto the, the blessing of my, of my Father. So you have lots of images about, about the Afterlife. And one of the images that's in Revelation is the lake of fire. And Jesus talks about the gnashing of teeth, the outer darkness. There's different images of what life is like in separation from God. But the lake of fire was not prepared for us. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. It was prepared for the dragon. And God is not the one that wants us to go there. But We are the ones that can be drugged there or decide to go there. We kind of choose where we want to go. And who then gets to be into heaven? Who gets to go? Well, there's another book. And it's not the books that record what we've done in this life, but there's this other book. And you get the sense that the books that describe what we've done in this life are important. It's important to do a life review. That'll be an important time for us to look and take stock at our life. But the book that supersedes that book is the book called the Lamb of God. And whoever's names are written in the Lamb's book of life, they are the ones that enter into paradise, enter into the city. And so who gets to be in the Lamb's Book of Life? There's descriptions given in Revelation. Those who repent, those who changed, those who want to stop and reconsider their life. Those who uh, follow the commandments of God is one phrase. Another phrase is uh, those who hold to the precepts and the teachings of Jesus those who hold to the testimony of Jesus, those who have placed their faith in the testimony of Jesus, those who have the name of Jesus on their forehead. They've taken on that name. So it's those who clearly have identified with Jesus, the Lamb of God. Now, people ask the question. It's a very thoughtful question. It's, it's, It's raised by caring people. How could a loving God ever allow anyone to be in this place of darkness, or this place of fire, or this separation from Him? And in the Hebrews thought, and and, in the way that Jesus taught, they would oftentimes not answer a question only with another question. So to the question, well, how could a loving God ever allow anyone else, anyone, to be separated from Him You might ask the question, how could a loving God allow the new heaven, the new earth, to be polluted once more? Or what makes us think that those who choose not to follow Jesus or live the life of Jesus or the way of Jesus in this life, what makes us think that they would choose to do that in the next life? Questions for us to ponder. Uh, But the most prevalent image in the book of Revelation, the symbol, is the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God, that is Jesus. At uh, dawn every morning, there was the perpetual sacrifice where the Jewish people offered sacrificial lambs to God. That was their ritual. That was their practice. And so at dawn every morning, there was a lamb that was let out. And at 9 o'clock in the morning, the ram's horn was blown, and the first sacrificial lamb's neck was slit, and it was sacrificed to God. And then at noon, the second lamb was let out every day perpetually for hundreds of years. And at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the ram's horn was blown once more, and the second lamb was sacrificed to God. The Gospels tell us that Jesus Christ was sentenced to die at dawn, early in the morning. And he was led out to the place of the skull, just outside the city of Jerusalem. And at nine o'clock, about nine o'clock, when the first sacrificial lamb was sacrificed, Jesus was nailed to the cross. At noon, the scriptures tell us, when the second lamb was let out, the sky became darkened. Jesus continues his sacrifice on the cross. And at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the Bible tells us the ninth hour, which is 3 o'clock in the afternoon, in the blowing of the ram, when the second lamb is sacrificed, Jesus cries out, it is finished. And he dies. And Revelation wants us to understand that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. God has provided the lamb. God has has fulfilled the prophecy of Abraham to Abraham years before. God has provided the lamb. And the lamb is God's very son. And that lamb is offered for the sins of the whole world. In Revelation, there's two invitations. There's an invitation at the beginning and there's an invitation at the end. That's very prevalent. In Revelation chapter three, at the end where where he's been talking to the seven churches, we have this image of Jesus, where he's knocking at the door. And Jesus knocks at the door of our heart. And he says, if anyone, anyone, would hear my voice, I will come into them and eat with them, and then with me. And in this artist's portrayal, they, they don't have the knob on the outside of the door because you can always op- only open it from the inside. And, and we choose whether we want to receive Jesus into our life. And then at the very end of Revelation, in chapter 22, you have this beautiful invitation of Jesus. Jesus says, I... Invites you. And he says these words. The spirit and the bride. The spirit. The spirit of God. The presence of God. The Holy Spirit. And the bride. The church. We. All of us. We say come. And let everyone who hears come. And let everyone who is thirsty. Everyone who has a spiritual thirst. Come. Whoever wishes to take the water of life, come as a free gift. That's the invitation. You know, uh, I've been asked several times in my life, are you saved? Uh, I believe I was saved, in one sense, 2,000 years ago out on a hillside just outside the city of Jerusalem, when the Lamb of God was given for me. And yet, I need to receive that forgiveness and receive that faith. Richard Rohr takes the question, are you saved? And he says, the question really is, when will you be saved? When will you be saved? When will you be saved? When will you you receive this new life? The kingdom of God, we've made this this whole thing about becoming a Christian, like, okay, come and accept Jesus and you get to go to heaven someday. That's, that's not what we're saying here. The kingdom is now, it's right here, it's now. If you don't want Jesus now, what makes you think you want him then, you know? But today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we, we can find the mercy and the grace of God. And so, uh, I like Leo Hodges' words. When, when he takes the words, uh, and he's a, he's a priest, a Catholic priest. He has a wonderful prison ministry, Kairos ministry, for 30-some years. He goes to prisoners. And he asks the prisoners these questions. When will you be saved? And out of that question, he asks these six questions. When will I allow God to work in my life? We have our own prisons. You know. When will I let, let God take, take my life? When will I be less defensive? I think God says to us sometimes put your gun down and let's talk. When will I quit running from God? When will I forgive? You know, we've been forgiven. God forgives us. It's just a matter of receiving that forgiveness. But when will I forgive others? When will I live the way of forgiveness? When will I forgive myself? When will I be open to change? Repent means to to stop and, and reconsider one's life. When will I be open to the change of God? When do I want to change? When do I want to alter my ways? When do I want to turn away from creating all the suffering that adds to the affliction of this world? And when do I want to live God's way? When will I notice the beauty of God all around me? see this beautiful sun today, the sunlight. When will I see the beauty of God's face in, in, my, in every human being? When will I look for that image? When, when will I look for the manifested, manifestation of God's goodness every day in my life? When will I open up my eyes and see the kingdom of God? And When will I love myself? When will I stop this self-destructed hatred and condemnation? And when will I open myself up to the love of God and love myself as God loves me? See, today's the day of salvation. And all of us have access boldly to the throne of grace because of the Lamb. Now, we're going to receive uh, communion this morning, and communion is that opportunity where everyone can come to the table. We as United Methodists don't believe you just have to be a Methodist, but it's anyone. But, but I want you to watch and, and see these words very carefully as the phone is ringing. Uh, these are the words from the Didache. The Didache is the oldest book of worship that we've, we have. It, it goes back to the apostles themselves, 1st and 2nd century. And about the oldest invitation we have on record of how the Christians came to the Lord's Supper, first or second century, they came at these words, this invitation, May grace come. May grace come. Love that. And may this world pass away. May my affections and my being tied to this world's values and what this world's about. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. May, May this world pass away. Hosanna to the God of David. If any man is holy, let him come. So if any man is holy, what does that mean? Well, if anyone whose robe is dipped in the blood of the Lamb, if anyone... Seeks to follow the commandments of God. Anyone that is being changed, anyone that's becoming like Jesus. You've not arrived yet, but you're becoming more like Jesus. And you're trusting in his righteousness, not your own. Come. But if any man and is not, let him repent. Let him repent. Let him change. Let him turn. Let him move toward God. Let him change and alter his ways. Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. And that's the invitation today for all of us, everyone. For those who are holy, for those who have your robes dipped in the blood of you, trust the Lamb of God. And you're seeking to live this new life, following the commandments of God. You'll want to walk in His ways. Come near with faith. Take this sacrament. And for those who who, you never felt like you were holy, never felt like you were clean, never felt like you were good enough, repent. Change. Come and receive the mercy of God. And you can. In a moment, I'm going to, after the prayer, uh, we'll have servers come and gluten-free is available at that table. And Pastor Jason will be over there, and I'll be over here at this corner. And if you'd like to come and receive prayer from one of the pastors today about anything going on in your life, or you'd like to confess something or repent or just receive prayer for something, we're going to be here for you. But the bride and the Spirit say, come, and let all that is thirsty come and drink of the water of life freely. It was in the night that Jesus was betrayed that he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. It was in the night that he was betrayed, he took the cup and said, this is the blood of, for the remission of, my, of your sins. Drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. God, thank you that you knock at the door of our hearts. And thank you for your presence here. Thank you for the great sacrifice of the Lamb. We pray that we would come not trusting in our righteousness or goodness, but in your love, in your mercy. And we pray that everyone would know what it means for grace to come in their life today. Amen.